still. The others, find them and tell them not to doubt. Even now, not to doubt. Tell them to keep their faith. They must keep faith. Welcome to the Sound United Podcast Studio here in beautiful downtown Warren, Ohio. I have a very special guest today with, with me, Mr. Michael Ingram. He is the founder of Game Changers. So I want to welcome you aboard to the Defend Warren Podcast, sir. Thank you very much for coming. Absolutely. Thank you, uh, James. Appreciate you for having me as your guest, sir. Loosen up, bro. <laughs> Need coffee? You can. I'll share some of mine with you. All right. <laughs> so let's just get started with um, the background of Michael Ingram. Where'd you grow up? You can, you know, you share your neighborhood, the schools you went to. Uh, kind of give me your up through high school, and then we'll pick up from there. Sure. Uh, so I uh, grew up on the southwest side of Warren uh, schools. I guess Foundation Moden Daycare over on the west side off of uh, York Street, um, but. Uh, what so, daycare? Molden, Molden, Molden daycare. But uh, as far as in uh, uh, Warren City Schools, uh, Alden Elementary School is where it all started for me, I guess you could say. Uh, Alden Elementary, uh, southwest side of Warren, a uh, real close-knit community over on that side of town. And uh, I mean, it was the it was the beginning of life. You know, it was uh, really being able to be uh, immersed in the Warren community, uh, you know, back in the day when you know, kids still took field trips and still did all the outside stuff like recess and, you know, everything growing up without any uh, technology at their fingertips, so to say. So really just kind of enjoying being outside and, you know, just loving, loving uh, street football and baseball and just going down, making friends, you know what I mean? And building those connections. Uh, so which I, I believe is, I definitely underrated um, the values that we had growing up back then and the uh, level of connection, uh, you know, when you don't have as many distractions, uh, but yet you still have to survive life together um, when life isn't always pretty and things of that nature, but you still had your friends to kind of fall back on and uh, almost like uh, the movie Sandlot, you know. What I mean? yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so I, you know, I appreciated all that. But yeah, uh, you know, did Alden after Alden. Uh, this was the time when schools were just now starting to do a lot of those, uh, you know, the mergers and the restructuring went from Alden to Turner High School or Turner Junior High rather uh, for seventh grade, and then uh, after Turner. Uh, at the time, this is when the consolidation happened. So this was uh, around 90. So that's when Reserve was transformed into uh, a junior high and uh, went over to Reserve for eighth and ninth grade. Uh, love Reserve. Uh, reserve, for anyone that's on the west side of Warren, they can definitely have an appreciation for what Reserve was to the community. Um, it was a spirit like none other. Uh, there was... Uh, even like I said, since I was right there on the Southwest side and I went to Alden, even as an elementary student, uh, walking home and hearing the band play, you could hear the band over the entire <laughs> side of mm -hmm. town over there. Oh, yeah. I mean, streets away. And it was, it was just amazing. And, uh, but yeah, so reserve, I mean, the swimming pool, you know, Olympic grade swimming pool right there on the west side and, you know, your planetariums and your greenhouse. And, you know, that's back in the day when before 
uh, TCTC or JVS, depending upon what area you grew up in. Uh, and they, they actually had a lot of the skills trades right there inside the high school, which was amazing, especially for schools as close as we were, because we had the opportunity just to kind of go over there, take field trips and do so many great, you know, and cool things over there. So, uh, but yeah, after that, that's when uh, Harding then became the 10th through 12th. And I did my uh, my three years over there at Harding, uh, really built a lot of great friendships, uh, you know, a lot of great people. Uh, some I still keep in contact with 20 plus years later. And, uh, you know, the experience that I had, you know, just kind of going through those transitions, I really believe that also assisted, you know, with, uh, I guess, being able to just grow. And the uh, reason why I say that, I know with how K through 12s are set up now, you have your K through eight all in one building. And yeah. then you jump, you know, into high school at the age of 14, 15, depending upon how your birthday falls. And uh, there's there's a there's a big deal with uh, that transition, you know, with us because we transition from one to the other uh I transitioned three times. I believe it kind of got you ready. You know what I mean? So it was less anxiety, you know, uh, but going over there to Harding, you know, uh, I, I would say that's where um, I started to kind of grow into even more of uh, entrepreneurship. I mean, you know, whether it was selling candy from Nana Cola's by the box <laughs> to make money, <laughs> you know, get paying $15 for some M&Ms or some Reese cups and flipping them, you know, and if you didn't eat them all, <laughs> right. eat your by, profits. Exactly. By the time lunchtime came, if you didn't eat breakfast, that box was gone down <laughs> quicker than usual. But, uh, you know, entrepreneurship uh, was definitely something that I saw and, you know, I kind of loved and it was just like in my DNA, you know, uh, growing up and uh, up to our like senior class trip. And uh, I helped coordinate um, our first time uh, going to the Bahamas. Uh, I don't know of any other class that went on their senior class trip international that I know of back in the nineties, but uh, yeah, we had did that. And uh, that was pretty, that was pretty nice. We all went on a cruise together and, you know, hung out over in Bahamas, over in Bahamas. You don't have to be 21 and I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we, we had a great time over there and I was actually just looking at some pictures not long ago and it's so crazy how quick the time goes by, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, big time. So, How was it for me? I knew where I was going to elementary. I knew where I was going to West Junior. I knew where I was going to reserve. Mm -hmm. There was never a question. Mm -hmm. But I know once the consolidation restructuring started, there may have been some questions of where am I going next? Mm -hmm. Or I was hoping to go to West Junior. Or now I'm going to Turner. Or maybe I was hoping to go to East and now I'm going to Turner or whatever. Mm -hmm. Was there was that ever an issue for you or any, any of the kids – that uh, you were friends with? Um, not not so much. I, I wouldn't even say it was really a concern, honestly, back then, because you're Probably so... Probably didn't matter when you're 12, 13. Exactly. 14. When you're 12 or 13, you're just kind of going with the flow. And you figure at 12 and 13, you know, as a young man, you got bigger things on your mind. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're just getting into puberty and stuff like that. There's so many other life changes that, you know, you look forward to going to another school just yeah. because it shows, you know, your growth, your transition, right? Yeah. So it kind of works hand in hand. I know? made a lot of new friends when I went to West Junior. 
Junior. Yeah. That was one of the nice things with all the different elementary schools that came together at West Junior. And I'm yeah. sure the kids who went to Turner and East, same exactly. thing. Right. So that, that was a, that was an exciting time for me. Um, so you ended up going to Harding and you played how many sports? With, I know you played football. Did you play anything else? Yeah, I, I did uh, track for a short stint my senior year, and uh, but football was my, my main love. And that was who coaching? So that was Coach Anarella. Um that was my guy, and uh, I, I mean, so much I can attribute to uh, humility, you know, uh, discipline. I still have my old shirt that says discipline and tradition, like that was him. And uh, he was just one of those, he was just one of those guys that he wanted the best for you, but he wanted you to give everything at the same time, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, leave it all on the field or leave it all on whatever, you know, give 120%, you know, don't dog it, you know, don't try to get by easy. And you never understand the value sometimes that people like that have in your life until years later and you have to look back, you know, and uh, I could definitely say for me, uh, I didn't realize it until after the fact. And then when I moved back here, uh, 20, 20 years later, uh, and he was then coaching for Fitch, which was our rival. That, oh, yeah. that would be like, yeah. that would be like rate. Well, yeah. Like Harding in reserve, I guess, in a sense, I mean, for us anyway, back in 96 and, uh, you know, so that took a little adjusting when I went and knocked on the door and, uh, here I'm knocking on the door says Fitch Falcons on the outside he opens it up I said coach what the heck are you doing over here (laughs) what are you doing he said hey Mike (laughs) and just like that I mean I melted like butter I mean you know I'm I'm, you know as much as I love uh, Warren and Raiders or whatever it's kind of like you know when dad goes somewhere you go where dad you know your heart is with the man you know uh, that, that I surpasses. saw an old old school Raider uh, yeah. wearing a Fitch Falcon shirt, and I ran into him, and I said, what are you wearing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he gave me one of those. Uh, he gave me one of those. Uh, I had the pleasure uh, when I did move back of um, with Game Changers and doing programming, and he was – He's he was the most consistent coach over my past. I've been here now for seven years back in Warren, uh, but he was the most consistent coach with sending me uh, student athletes, mm-hmm. you know, to come to our leadership combines and really being able to develop. And when you're just beginning something, you really appreciate. Oh, yeah. Everyone has buy in, mm-hmm. you know, and um, no one owes you anything, you know, and. I was meeting other coaches, you know, from Niles and Howland and different things of that nature. Uh, they might waver, so to say, but I could always call, count on Coach Anarella to send me around 20 to 25 of his guys. And uh, he was huge on leadership. So it was a natural fit, you know, and yeah. So that. after high school, we're, let's go over like the next sure. five, 10 years. Sure. Where did you head? So let me back up a step. Yep. Growing up here, you get a lot of kids, and 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 we've done haven't done them justice over the years to explain to them that there you there is a better bigger world out there. Mm-hmm. Go explore it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but we hope you come back mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. stay and build something. Mm-hmm. 
Um, there is value of going out and there mm-hmm. is a lot of value of mm-hmm. moving away for a while and traveling and seeing different cultures or, and I don't even mean leaving the country. I mean, you go down South, it's different. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. You go down to Columbus, it's different. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I think we've done a poor job encouraging kids to either come back or to stay. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know as a kid, you know, I always thought that you know, and it was, I don't know if I was specifically told this, but you had to go away to be successful. And I'm mm. oversimplifying the statement, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing here. There's nothing mm-hmm. here. And you, you would hear that a lot. You know, mm-hmm. the jobs are going away, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know. Did you, were you ever told those things in a roundabout or direct way? And then if you were, were not, what was your decision to finally, for you to move out of Warren and then cover the next few years of your life after that? Sure. So for me, it wasn't so much of a someone encouraging me to leave. I naturally wanted to leave just because of my family would. This would be back in the day when people actually went and enjoyed their family reunions. You know, yeah. it was a part of this was before social media. So you didn't get every person's update or who was born or whatever. So having a family reunion in Georgia or Florida or New York or Philadelphia really kind of stretched your legs to get outside your circle and to get outside of Warren. So uh, traveling and uh, spending summers with family in Milwaukee and in uh, Miami, Florida, uh, it kind of helped me and it kind of also broke any apprehension or fear of being able to kind of go out there, you know, versus maybe someone that's kind of stuck here, haven't left out. Then by the 18, then all they know is that you want me to go where, but if they haven't stretched their legs to kind of go out there and know that it is safe to get on a plane and just go, then I believe that that also plays into, you know, keeping them a little stunted. Uh, But for me, like I said, yeah, I was definitely, I knew I was going to leave. I knew by the time, especially when I decided that I wasn't going to continue football into my collegiate years, I knew that at the least I was going to do was go out there and see what was what I could make of myself. And my first school, it wasn't far at all. My first school was in Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania. I didn't uh, go to a traditional four-year school. I went to a two-year school initially. I uh, got received my associates in hospitality and business. And it was at the 11th hour, as they say, I, I, because I was teetering back and forth. Do I want to play football or don't I do I or don't I until was that a conscious decision? You didn't want to play? Uh, yeah. I, t- I always say I told coach he ran out my last two a days in 96. That was it. <laughs> ran out of here, that's it. I'm out of here. <laughs> Hang these spikes up. <laughs> Here's your mouth guard and, and your Jersey. You know, it's, it's great. Thanks. It's been, it's been, it's been real. Um, but it, you know, I, I, I just spoke this to someone. I said, if there would have been better counselors, if I would have had a better counselor and been able to map out my future better then I may have even played football. And I know all that doesn't rest on the, because you're thinking football, you're thinking of your coach. The coach definitely has something to play with that. But when you consider the financial responsibility that comes with college mm-hmm. and someone says, you know, let's get you on course to make sure that you're at a 3.5, you know, cumulative GPA so that, or even a 3.2. So I was, I believe I left at like a, maybe like a 
two nine. Like I was right on the brink, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I flew right below the radar so that it wasn't you know all the hoopla, but above the radar so I didn't have to hear my folks' mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was right in the safe zone. So, but if if I would have had uh, the type of counselor that would have mapped that out for me and been able to kind of just let me know what were some of those options. And then the truth of the matter is, is that a lot of that comes with technology as well, where kids have everything at their fingertips, searching the Internet. There wasn't Internet as, you know, as it is today. I mean, heck, we had AOL dial up. You know, listening for a dial tone, get a CD disc to upload hours and whatever. I mean, mostly the uh, college uh, research really came from you going to the Warren Public Library, flipping through books and, you know, trying to look for scholarships or whatever. You know, and just to think how antiquated all that was, Mm -hmm. you know, but I mean, it it was what we had to do back then. Um, So after after Pittsburgh, where'd you head to? So Pittsburgh, uh, Pittsburgh was the two years. Uh, while I was there, my last semester, uh, Walt Disney World had came and they did an interview. Um, they interviewed, they were actually coming for the culinary school, which was just right next door to us. And our advisors heard of it and said, Hey, can we send some of our kids over to interview with the Disney rep as well? And, uh, it worked out that they interviewed 30 of us, you know? And um, I mean, it was the craziest thing because it was the last minute for them that they knew about it. And for us that day, they were like, hey, you know, go over there, go over there and just randomly pull 30 people that were just kind of walking through the hallway or whatever. So out of that uh, 30, I was one of them and they uh, chose 10 of us to go. So one out of three had made it, you know, made the cut. And um, my mother had actually just purchased a before I went to college there, she purchased a dot matrix inkjet printer or something of that nature. I mean, and but it was a Disney, right? So what I did is I probably stayed about a good 10 minute run away from uh, school. So I ran up the hills of Pittsburgh, ran back to my apartment. I had just finished with my interview and I typed a thank you letter to the gentleman or whatever. And then I ran back to him and I gave it to him. And I'm sure that's kind of what sealed the deal because, you know, Disney over and beyond, you know, (laughs) you know what I mean? I mean, and I know even now I look at what is someone doing over and beyond, you know, to be able to say that you really want it. And I just had that in me, Mm -hmm. you know, how can I set myself apart? And uh, yeah, so I went down to Disney. Uh, I was I went down there for the college program in June or so, and I Stayed down there for about a six months. Uh, Stan, I went early and uh, I loved it. Some friends that I have there from then, I'm still very close with now. Uh, one of my friends just went back to work for Disney after working for Nike and uh, some other major companies because of the the overall experience that we had there. Disney is the epitome of excellence. And I, I'm so glad I would. I was able to experience that because it made me kind of know as a model how I want to realign my business practices uh, as detailed as, you know, when you're in Disney, when you're walking down Main Street and you smell popcorn. Well, that's because the smell of it is uh, piping through the streets 
and the popcorn shop might be 30 feet coming up on your left or on your right or cookies or whatever. So, you know, all the intricacies like that or at night when everyone's gone uh, there, it's like a huge horticulture team that's going through there and making sure there are no dead plants inside Disney and then the tunnels under Disney. Mm -hmm. You know, that level of uh detail said and excellence this is this has been this was my bar you know and which i was grateful for because when i worked for places like bank of america and some of the other top companies and they talked about branding of course they would always use disney as their example so for me to have that first hand experience you know really you know went a long way cheesecake factory same thing what do you think about branding and they showed disney and i'd smile because i knew exactly where they were trying to go i had already been and caught a snippet of it so it's a, it says a lot about a company if other major companies are pointing to you <laughs> Right. Oh, and yeah. As an example of what they want to be doing. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Even here, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, they've uh, re redone their their mantra, so to say, uh, the most inspirational place in the world is what their new mantra is. And uh, it's based off of Disney's, the you know, being the happiest place in the world. It you really know? is the happiest. Place it is. In the world. <laughs> oh, it's going to cost you to be yes, happy. It is. But yeah, you're leaving there happy. Everything has a price. Right. Exactly. Even happiness. Right. Even happiness has a price. That's a book, folks. That's it. <laughs> so you work at Disney. Yeah, worked then- at Disney. Um, after Disney, I. Moved back up here to Ohio. Wasn't sure what my next step was going to be. I worked for the prison. So going from the happiest place in the world. What were you doing at the prison? I was a corrections officer. Okay. So I was probably about 20 years old working at the at the prison. And um, I remember my first day on the block. I felt you could feel my, like see arm hair standing up on edge because it's uh, one to 60 ratio, you know, and uh, you, you didn't have any guns no tasers or whatever you know all you got is your respect mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so don't act like an idiot right. because it, it could be lights out in a matter of seconds right. you know right. it's, it's going to take a little while if they call a code red yeah. look the team still got to get to you by right. then it's over it's over yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah so i w- came back here and i worked uh just so i could save up money and i worked at the prison for about two years and then i applied for school uh, down in Daytona, Bethune-Cookman uh, College. So for me, I wanted to, I always wanted to go to an HBCU or that's what, I thought black, that's what that black was, college yeah. university. And uh, so that was that, that was that jump for me. It was in Florida at the time I used to uh, go to uh, Daytona for spring breaks and things of that nature. And it was on my way out. I said, man, I could get used to this. Yeah. Well, spring break only lasts for a season. The other 50 weeks of the year, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not like that right. per se, but uh, yeah, that's what got me down there. But once I got down there again, you know, I'm all about connection. I met some really great people. So I spent about four years down there. Two of my uh, closest friends are, uh, are people that I met there, you know, down in, down in Florida. And after Florida moved um, up to New York, Manhattan, New York, worked for Tyco and ADT and uh, that was great. Big city living. Uh, someone that I met from uh, Bethune, 
uh, was from New York and they said, well, my mom just, she relocated and whatever, if you want to, you know, I got two bedroom, come on up here. Oh, nice. And so I literally, I, I paid $200 a month and I lived in Manhattan. <laughs> Uh, I mean, unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. $200 a, a month. Right. <laughs> Tell me about it. I mean, and I didn't know. Again, you look back and you're like, man, that was amazing. Yeah. You know, and uh, but what it allowed me to do is that it allowed me to pay off my debt, like my car note and stuff like that, because I had just gotten a car before I went down there to to uh, to Daytona. And so it allowed me to get fiscally responsible, all that good stuff. It's important. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And you, you really get to, and for me, I really got to see because since I was in Daytona and I worked for uh, Bank of America, they, you know, when you're an employee, you get your credit cards if you want and whatever. It, and the rep that did the credit card, he said, well, what limit do you want? And I'm like, what? <laughs> who are you? Yeah. <laughs> are you kidding me? And uh, it's that seven or eight figures. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> he literally said, and I don't know. I doubt that guy's working there still. But um, I don't know. I, it, his voice was just like. Almost like it was his last day or two. You know what I mean? Like, Honestly, he was just giving like, away the giving, bank's money. Oh, giving it away. <laughs> when he asked me, like, I'm like, this is a setup. Right. Ashton Kutcher before. Where you pump, at? Where you at? Exactly. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, that was being up in New York allowed me to do that. And it, just that fast paced life. You know, I at the time, another reason why I wanted to go to New York is that this is when uh, Sean uh, Combs mm-hmm. back in the day, Puff Daddy, P Diddy, da da da. Uh, he was he a little was, confused. No, he, he was um, <laughs> he, he was uh, building his empire, and uh, he had a show called Making of the Band or Making the Band. And I just saw, of course, you know these things are scripted on oh, yeah. TV, and you know or edit it at the very least to show what they want you to see just to kind of right. keep it. And for me, I saw kids just kind of blowing this opportunity. I'm like, man, what are they doing? They're blowing it. They have a chance of a lifetime or whatever. And so I had, uh, what I did is I had went up to New York and I said, I'm going to go try to work for him. And so I went up there, I had a suit and tie on resume and I went up to the office. I said, yeah, I'm going to see, uh, Mr. Combs, they said, oh, no, sir. <laughs> I, I, I thought I would look the part. Rejected before you even got oh, in the door. Oh, yeah, right right there. Whoa, 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 whoa. Where are you going, buddy? <laughs> and uh, I said, oh, well, I was with such and such. And it was like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. So I left there uh, and I said, well, you know, let me find something else to do. It was like around Labor Day. And I ended up coming back to Warren just for like the holiday. And I really didn't have a, a jobs in yet. So then I was in Warren and uh, a friend of mine, she called me and she said, and she was in Atlanta at the time. And she said, hey, uh, you know, Puff is going to be down here performing or whatever. I said, oh, OK. Yeah. And, you know, it's 12 hours away. So he's going to be performing. Short drive. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then um, I had gone to, once I left Warren, I went to Cincinnati to visit some more family. And then she called in. She said, hey, he's going to be performing at this club. And I just want some tickets where he's going to be. I said, are you freaking kidding me? And I always keep a suit with me. So I said, I'm on my way. So I drove the extra seven hours. I got down there. Uh, I went to like an Office Max or Office Depot or something. I made some makeshift business cards. 
Uh, we were inside the club where he was at and I just was laying low. You know, everybody else is there partying and have a good time. I got so my. So this was tickets not to a performance, but to a party. Yeah. To a party where he did a guest appearance. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And uh, it was at a club. And uh, so I went on ahead and I was just laying low. Everyone's dancing. I'm doing a two step looking at Puff the whole time. I'm just trying to see where I'm going to make my break. And then I caught his eye when he told uh, some of his team, he said, let's go. And so I saw them sliding out the back of the door. And as they slid out the back of the door, I slid out with them. And because I'm in a suit, they're thinking I'm part of his entourage. So I slide out the back. He's about to get in a limo. I'm like, Puff, yo, Puff. He turns around and he looks at me. I was like, yo, my name is Mike. I'm from Amsterdam. And I'm telling him like I'm from New York Mm because I was living in New York, but I already memorized my address and everything. Mm -hmm. So he, you know, (laughs) he's thinking I'm from New York and I'm like, I'm out of breath or whatever. He came to me. He was like, breathe. (laughs) And I said, yo, I see these kids on the the show. They're blowing it. I want to do an internship. He said, slow down. He's like, well, listen, he's like, "Uh, this is my man, Harv Pierre. He takes care of everything for me, whatever. I said, thanks, appreciate it or whatever and he went on it and they went partying somewhere else his man said you got a cord you know because he was salty that i just slid by big guys and security and everything else you got a car i'm like yeah here's my car so i gave it to him and i was just now i can go back in there and dance and i'm just like all right let's go (laughs) you know job done and about a good week went by i didn't hear anything right two weeks go by that's it so now i'm going through the company's rolodex and at the time he had um what was it like blue flame the marketing company bad boy worldwide entertainment group was the parent company sean john the clothing company uh he had a justin's his restaurant he had about four or five entities up under the brand and so i wrote to the vice presidents of each one of them and said i just spoke to puff two weeks ago or mr combs two weeks ago he's expecting this letter Please send this over to him. I need to know when I'm starting work, you know, <laughs> and I found out who those people were and I addressed all the letters and stuff. And so then word got back to me uh, and they they called me in for an interview and they said, uh, you know, would you like to come in and work and whatever? And I actually didn't take them up on the offer. You didn't? I did not. It was an internship, but it wasn't structured, being mm-hmm. that it was free labor with no end date and it wasn't. I didn't know if I was going to, I didn't mind grinding. I didn't mind going to be, you know, go get the coffee coffee, or whatever. But at this time I was also saying I've got, even though it was only $200 a month and whatever, I still have some bills that I need to take care of. And when people don't have structure, then for me, that's a red flag. Either I can come into your business and help you set up structure. uh, But what I can do is just lease you my life without having any direction. And, uh, yeah, so that was New York. Uh, I fell in love with the church over in New Jersey. So uh, what I did is instead of I was doing an hour and a half commute on a subway to a train and walking. Uh, and then I finally just moved over to New Jersey to be closer to my church that I had uh, joined. And uh, while I was there, I heard of another 
university called Oral Roberts University. That's in New Jersey? No, it's in North no, Carolina. That, that's in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Tulsa. And so um, a, a, one of the pastors that I'm friends with, uh, they went there and they told me about the program over there. And at the time I went, I said, you know, I want to do something in divinity as well as business. And uh, it was great because it was a way for me to still harness Christian roots, but yet in the business world and see kingdom minded building, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that was oral. You know, he said, you know, uh, in the kingdom, we need someone in business, someone in the medical field, someone in the legal field and so on and so forth. And so those were the main programs that he started off and then it branched out. And um, so I was there at Tulsa and then just so happened, this was also around the time where he was getting a little older, things of that nature. Uh, they were looking to sell the school, but still keep the name. And there was so much transition. There was some debt, of course. And so of course they start uh, getting rid of scholarships and what have you. And, um, yeah, so I, I was out there for a little while, but then when they started cutting the money, and this was the time that President Obama had ran, and um, they weren't sure what they wanted to do, you know. And so I was working as a server for Cheesecake Factory. I said, I don't know what they're going to do around here. And they said, well, you're in good stand with the company, so wherever you want to go, you know. Talking about Cheesecake Factory. Yeah, Cheesecake Factory, you could go. And so I said, all right, cool. So a month later, I was in Hawaii, and... Um, living in Hawaii with uh, two other of my coworkers from Tulsa. We, three guys, we just went out there. We shared a hotel room uh, for the first month while everybody got their footing. And then after that, I stayed in to, I stayed in Tulsa or not Tulsa, but in uh, Honolulu for about a good three years before I came back here. So you, you were in Honolulu and then you came back to Warren. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to come back to Warren. I didn't, I, I, I literally, I, I used to say God would have to part heavens and speak to me audibly for me to come back to Warren. And this was definitely the time, this was 2000, like 11, 12, something like this. So by this time, schools, the school system was already, you know, I want to say we had already been on like probation at this time for at least about a good 10, 15 years. You know, Who was on probation? Warren City Schools. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, then also population was going down. And then, of course, jobs were definitely being cut by then. Um, this, you know, the GMs were gone, the, uh, were on a teetering, you know, uh, and um, Packard and so on and so forth. And my mother worked at General Electric for over 30 years. And the year that I came back is when they were closing that plant. So, you know, when kind of going to your point of what you were saying earlier, as far as in, um, people say, go, there's nothing around here. Well, if there wasn't anything around here back then in the, in the 90s, you know, now you're talking 20 years later, it's less of that. So I definitely didn't want to come back here um, because I didn't want to go into manufacturing. I, my mother, all my family, all blue collar, all worked at GM or GE. Um, my father was a sanitation worker here in the city of Warren. So, you know, I've done, I've seen firsthand grit, Mm -hmm. nine to five grind it out and if companies could treat their employees so expendable mm -hmm. you know and break up communities um essentially um to make sure that their bottom line was where it wanted to be they wanted it to be for their shareholders i wasn't going to invest my life into making someone else's bottom line 
great and not knowing what my future is going to look like, you know. Um, so knowing that, I end up going to California. I stayed in California for about a good four months, and I just I went from hotel to hotel. And uh, one of my family members works for uh, a hotel brand, and so I literally stayed in a hotel just trying to find a job. And because I work for Disney, I said, well, I'll work in the industry, the whole hospitality industry, and I'll make my name, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but I could not get in at all. I couldn't even get in like a front desk job, which is that's mean. That's, yeah. that's, that's entry level. Right. You know, um, and now I've got a degree and I work for Disney. I thought it was going to be a cakewalk. You know what I mean? Where'd you get your degree from? Uh, my first one was at Sawyer in Pittsburgh. Right. I was in hospitality management. And then my second degree was at Bethune-Cookman. And okay. I was in business. You may have said that and I just didn't catch uh, it. No worries. And uh, so I was thinking that I was going to be able to break my way in or whatever. But I was in San Diego. In San Diego, uh, everyone wants to go to San Diego. I mean, it's beautiful. And, oh, I, yes. You know, <laughs> so, but it's expensive as all get out as well. I mean, you know, they advertise... Uh, great rates <laughs> at a quarter of a million dollars yeah. for a condo, which is nothing more than a one or two bedroom apartment building that they've retrofitted to call in at a condo. I said, you're charging me a quarter of a million dollars to stay up in Jamestown Village? Right. <laughs> you know what I'm like, my wife is from San Diego. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I knew if I mentioned that you'd remember. So I yeah. know I, I'm familiar with uh, that. And, uh, just the idea of living there is just, I don't know how people survive, man. I'm, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. If you live anywhere in the country, San Diego's mm -hmm. the best place to live. Mm -hmm. Second to war in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> but um, best place to live. It's beautiful. It's mm -hmm. the perfect climate. You have a variety of, of, of uh, environmental. You can go to the mountains. You can go to the beach. Right. I mean, it's, it's literally perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And you pay for that. Yeah. I don't know how people survive when the... You know, you live in a, I can't even say mediocre neighborhood. You don't live in a very good neighborhood. You're yeah. looking at $800, $900, $1,000 a month for rent. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You want to live in a halfway decent neighborhood, you're pushing $2,000 a month. Mm -hmm, Never mm -hmm. mind the rest of the, the bills so, or the right. to live there. But yeah, no question. It's beautiful there. Yeah. I'm reminded of that regularly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you come back. We got about 25 minutes. I want to get into the gist. Sure. So you come back. I We meet. I remember just you're in that computer, man, doing your thing. Mm. Like you didn't even look up for hours. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, my attention span is too short for that. I try. But um, you're working on your thing that we're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I what I want to get out is that you did come back, even mm -hmm. though you didn't want to. But you and I both being of the faith, we believe God works he puts us where he wants us mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and here you are. And so I want, I want you to share your story of why mm -hmm. you created game changers, mm -hmm. what game changers is and what you're trying to accomplish. And the, the other, the last uh, one point I want to make too, though, is that you did come back. There, mm -hmm. there are more people who have come back that we don't know about and, and that are doing something. I'm not mm -hmm, talking about people mm -hmm. who aren't doing anything right. that are trying to, uh, make Warren, Ohio a better place. Mm -hmm. um, we just hear the negative things mm -hmm. all the time. So I want you to share your story about Game Changers, mm -hmm. why you did what you did. What mm -hmm. you know, we kind of got the background of what got you there, but right. go a little deeper. Of you know, why did why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. Why here? Mm -hmm. Gotcha, Mike Shores. So after 
failed attempts to get a job in California, what have you. Um, one of my one of the best friends from undergrad, he's from the Bahamas, and uh, I had nowhere else to go. You know, I was kind of tired of banging my head against the wall trying to get in a place. Um, and at the time, I went out there to the Bahamas for about a good month or two just to, you know, Lord, just take me away so I don't have the stress of worrying about paying for bills or another hotel room or whatever. I just need uh, some peace. You know what I mean? Something I could focus and recenter and find out what what's next. What's this calling? What am I supposed to do? And initially, before Game Changers was Game Changers, I really wanted to build a charter school. I really wanted to build a charter school. I wanted to build a charter school because I wanted to create top tier programming, but I also wanted it to be a place where kids would go live uh, four days out of the week and then a hybrid approach. And then they would go back to their families on a weekend, you know, so nothing where we're taking kids out of their home permanently. But you also have to be realistic that a lot of kids also have struggles at home that we rarely see hunger, whatever it is, unless you're in it. Yeah. You don't see it. Yeah. It's out of sight, out of mind. I mean, and for the most part, because kids are ashamed, they don't want to speak about it. Who who would, you know? (laughs) Right. 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 And so, uh, so game changers was before it was, it was, I really wanted to do a school and someone had asked me and said, you know, so do you wait for a school or do you start with what you have? And what I had in my heart was passion. The reason what I reason that I chose a school or that demographic was that I just wanted to do something uh, t- dealing with youth. And I had worked in nonprofits before, where we traveled the country and we saw the uh, the mindsets of youth and certain values that maybe weren't there that we grew up with. And I said, well, you know, let me go ahead and I'll just start an organization. You know. And that's where Game Changers just started from. And because youth uh, development is such a huge platform, you know, even on a national level with Big Brothers, Big Sisters, Boys and Girls Club and so many others, um, I didn't want to just kind of cast my net and say, well, we'll see who comes. I wanted to be targeted in respect to who is it that you want to identify with. And so we formed it around athletes and then taking it another notch, it was high school athletes because I wanted to make sure that that which I had to give could be received and they were mature enough to be able to talk about resumes and life lessons and job skills and soft skills and, you know, handshakes and all those other types of things. Those little things add up. Oh, if you're yeah. not taught, you know, when you shake a man's hand or a lady's hand, mm-hmm. give a good handshake, look them in the eye and right. say hello. You know, if you don't, if you're not taught that, you don't know that. Right. Exactly. And uh, for me, I, I believe that all those things add value. You Absolutely. Know, they add value. And especially in today's time when a lot of our uh, kiddos are more technology driven, everything's a text to them and they just don't have that. They're not teaching that etiquette, you know, that soft skill etiquette. So for me, I, I just wanted to be able to give back, you know, that which I had learned, I wanted to be able to give it back. And since it wasn't meant for me at that time to be back in San Diego. Um, I I, I kind of had not an aha moment, but I came to reason or a peace came in my spirit of, you know, sometimes God doesn't put you in flourishing places to grow you, but he'll put you in places where 
there's not an overabundance of resources, you know, um, in a desert like place, you know. Uh, and I say that because in comparison to, say, for instance, going to Columbus or maybe even Cleveland, a bigger city where especially with me when I'm working with athletes where they have professional teams, which would be of a more uh, supportive place of giving, you know, to my type of organization. But yet coming here, I mean, we are big on high school sports, especially football. But other than that, I mean, you know, that's 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 the crux of it you know um so i just had a piece you know and i said you know what i'm going to come back here and i'm going to i don't know what the end's going to look like but i'm going to come back here and i needed that piece before i came back here so i didn't come back here with a grudgingly right. type of attitude or demeanor and i and so once that happened once i got that it was full steam ahead you know it was what do i do how do i make you know, build these relationships. Um, there are so many other people that are, again, in the field doing youth development. How do I make sure the game changer sets itself apart uh, with us focused on athletes and core values and things of that nature? So I spoke to um, three people when I, three or four people. One of them was Coach Anarella. Uh, I spoke to Dante Capers. He and I graduated together. I spoke to the head football coach of Harding. And I spoke to the athletic director, Mr. Trina, before he transitioned out. It was his he was he he already had a foot out the door. Yeah. Um, And so I had positive feedback from (coughs) um, from those gentlemen. And I was like, well, great. You know, it already gives me a hub and in anything that I want to do. I can give back to my alma mater before giving back to any anywhere else, you know, like they say, charity begins at home type of deal. Right. And um, so that's where it started. And from there, I end up, uh, you know, connecting more so with Coach Anarella. And like I said, he didn't have to be sold on anything. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And that's what makes it even that much better. You know, when they can see the vision, you know, someone you have a relationship with you and all that, it was just icing on the cake. And uh, that's kind of where we started from, you know, with doing uh, at first I was just teaching the boys uh, and at that. So initially Game Changers was just all males. Again, I I wanted to make sure that the net that I cast wasn't so wide that it wasn't impactful. So we I went to like Dick's Sporting Goods at the time and I spoke to their store manager and I got maybe like 12 to 15 uh, fishing rods, you know, and uh, I would take the boys over to Mill Creek Park, you know, with maybe a couple other men that knew how to fish. I mean, and they are avid fishers mm-hmm. and just teaching them things like that. I would take them to like Goodyear Tire and teach them how to change tires and things of that nature. So this was like throughout the summer. Um, anything that I thought would be pertinent or that I grew up with and said that, you know, these things. Uh, I believe are functional and, you know, every young man needs to just be at least aware of certain things. Uh, I wanted to make sure that they had that type of exposure, you know, uh, take them out to the parks and just play football and have some other men come and play football with them and things like that, building relationships and just grilling and talking and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so that's where it started from. And once I knew I had something as far as I had the interest, uh, then it was time to, okay, let's go ahead and get, down to the brass tacks and I went to a building actually over here at the Huntington building and I started at the top floor and I just worked my way down and I was 
trying to speak to attorneys. I said, my name is Michael Ingram. I just moved back to Warren. This is who I am. And by the time I got to, I, don't, I, I think they're on maybe the fifth floor or something, to, or Harrington, uh, Hoppy and Mitchell, and uh, John Polk, I I spoke to him and he, we had a conversation and I didn't have a meeting or anything, but I just shared with him my heart and he had, you know, some open time. So for about a good hour and uh, he helped me form the bylaws and everything for okay. gang changers. And that's when we formed the 501c3 and it was improved. And I went there in December. It was approved in the end of January type of deal. So, and this is at the time where things were taking like six months to mm -hmm. get approved, you know? Um, but, you know, I also, t I, I'm a person, I look at all the little things that kind of go along the way. And I say, you know, if it wasn't meant, then maybe this wouldn't have happened, you know? But for me, when I see those little breaks, I say, man, God must have a bigger plan for me. So let me just look at this sign and keep moving forward. I must be moving in the right direction, you know? And truth of the matter is, and I always tell people, you know, they'll say, so God called you to do this or whatever. And to be honest, I, I'm not certain, you know, I really am not. I'm, um, and I'm also, I'm always careful with that because I believe that a lot of times people will do things and then they'll sign God's name at the bottom of it. And where I feel that is not to be dramatic, where, but where I feel that that's somewhat dangerous is that it takes the accountability off of people at times, because if it doesn't work out, then, oh, I guess that wasn't meant to be, or he didn't want me to do it or whatever. You know, uh, it could be an easy out. You know, for me, I just seriously say, I'm going to give it all I can. You know, I definitely believe that God works, you know, and opens up doors. Um, am I called? Is this my, my purpose in life to do this? I'm uncertain, but along the journey and while I'm learning, um, I'm going to make sure that I'm continually impacting uh, other young people's lives, young men and young women now. So yeah, when it's interesting you bring that up because about signing, having you know God signed off at, on the bottom and taking away that accountability. It's almost like someone who is unemployed and is praying to God for a job and not looking for a job. Mm -hmm. You're, he's not God. I mean, God can, mm -hmm. but he's not going to send an employer to your house and say, hey. Heard you need a job. Come on. That's just mm -hmm. not how it works. <laughs> right. <laughs> so what now, what are you, what's Game Changers doing now? They've got about 10 minutes or so. Sure. What's Game Changers doing now and trying to accomplish here sure. in the next two to five years? Sure. So Game Changers, uh, after all the paperwork settled and things of that nature, really looking at our mission, uh, Game Changers is a leadership and mentoring organization for high school student athletes. Uh, we create platforms and experiences where high school athletes can uh, help with that transition be developed with their character, which I believe is paramount to anything that they could do um, in life. Uh, character is one of those things. Your gift might get you in the door. You know, your talent might get you in the door, but character is going to keep that door open for you. And uh, so what we've had the opportunity of doing is doing our leadership combines, which we actually have one coming up at the end of the month uh, with COVID. We're doing it virtually, but still uh, connecting with kids, giving them some good, solid programming. Um, over the past few years, I've developed I developed a relationship with someone who worked for the ESPYs. Um, so this would have been our fifth year, I believe. Uh, but the ESPYs is actually going to be virtual as well. So we'll get back to that next year. But taking the kids uh, or the student athletes out there to California, I spend about a good three, three days out there with them. Um, 
we go to the ESPYs, we go see California, again, getting out of your normal whatever, seeing life experiences that you may not never have saw uh, so that they can understand that even in the sports industry, this is a trillion dollar industry. There's sports marketing, sports management, you know, almost any and everything that you want to do, sports medicine, you could find it here, you know, in this level of excellence. So uh, we do that as well. Um, we've uh, created an app to help with community service uh, for our scholarships. The student athletes, they have to do 50 hours of community service as well as have a 3.0 GPA. And I was really I was really uh, focused on that because at the time before I moved back, you only needed a 1.5 GPA to play sports in the city of Warren. And now they've raised it up to a 2.0. The truth of the matter is, is that a 2.0 going into a university that's worth this salt is not acceptable. You know, uh, if you're struggling to get a 2.0, then by the time they add college courses on that, it's more of a disrupt disruption to a good university rather than you adding value. So for me, I wanted to make sure that student athletes knew that your 3.0 really needs to be your minimum. You know, everyone else might say that the 2.0 is good enough. Well, good enough isn't good enough, you know? So that's why we focused on that. And the 50 hours of community services, because my thought process is, is that the, some of the best joys that I've ever had is by volunteering and giving and people don't develop that type of character once they get money money like alcohol exasperates what's on the inside you know so if you haven't had a heart of giving back and whatever uh not saying when you get money that you're not going to because but what's your motive if it's in you you don't need money to be able to make that type of step so uh you know service is another huge thing that we've we've been doing and then just as of recently we do uh instagram stories um and just making sure that we're highlighting to the student athletes, uh, what are some positive ways that you can go about getting recruited, making sure your grades are where they need to be, uh, joining organizations so that you're well-rounded, so that when an admissions officer or recruiter is looking at your application to their university, they see that you're, you'll be a great fit for them. You know, So how can we help you build that kind of collateral so that uh, you're wanted? you know, and, uh, and your desire. So those are, you know, some of the main things that we've been doing over the past four to five years and where we're going next, especially in with us, what I always look at, I I look at ways that we can lean ourselves, you know, Um, I'm not excited about having 10 programs, but having a surface reach, how can we get four, maybe five at most programs, but have a deep reach and really be able to serve the youth, you know, and that to me is what matters most. Now, the kids that are in the program mm-hmm. aren't just from Warren or Trumbull County no. or Honing County. Correct? Right. Correct. Um, though, as far as in, in schools, uh, whenever we have chapters, Warren JFK, we have a chapter there. And then East High School in Youngstown, they got approved uh, for a chapter as well. Um, so this would have been their first year. We don't know what school's going to look like this fall, but uh, those are our two running uh, in-person chapters. Um, outside of that, when it comes to the scholarships and our player of the week, that's from Coral Gables, Florida, out to Los Angeles, California, down in Texas. I mean, um, we have students that have been a part of the organization uh, all throughout the United States. You know, How, how does a kid in... Texas or Florida or California come across Game Changers? So 
our interns reaching out to them. And what we do is we nominate uh, student athletes as uh, players of the week. And that's based on uh, their community service as well as them being leaders in their school. And so what we do is we start that conversation with them. And uh, if they're a good fit for the brand and what we're trying to highlight, then what we do is we recognize them throughout their community. And that's usually how it gets out. So then by the time we recognize them on social media, anyone that they're tied to, I see. it kind of just goes on and on and on. So they don't, do they, do they even know they're nominated then? Or that you reach out to them, hey, you've been nominated? Correct. Okay. Exactly. So our interns might pull 10 uh, student athletes throughout the country uh, by sport, you know, mixing it all up by uh, sport, gender, um, ethnicity, and just letting them know you're, you, you could be a game changer. Uh, this is what we need to know, some more information about you. And, I see. you know, as long as they have the grades and what have you, uh, the participation, um, being a leader inside their school, giving back community service, those are the things that qualify. And I, I'm serious about that as well. I mean, I've had some great students that may have a, a, a great GPA, but they haven't given back at all. Okay, well, that's great. You keep it up. And next year, I personally advise for you to give back to your community. It's only going to make you better. You know, if you could uh, get a hold of the seniors at Harding mm. or even Youngstown City, any of them. But since my heart is here, sure, we'll just focus on Warren City. What would you tell them? What would you tell them to do for their senior year? You're a senior. The, mm. These are the things that you need to be doing or should be considering mm -hmm. uh, for your senior year to prepare you for after high school. Sure. So I'm a visual person. I'm a put a calendar on the wall, you know, and write out goals. And oh, yeah. every month you should have something that you're striving to do, because as soon as you blink, it's and it doesn't seem like it when you're in school. It doesn't seem like it when you're in the throes of whatever it is you're doing. But that time goes by so quick. I mean, just off the top of your head, you can. Think August, okay, September, Labor Day, October, you know, Halloween or whatever, as far as just holidays, Thanksgiving, you know, then you got Christmas, you got a break, boom. Next thing you know, you come back in January, you've got four months before you're walking across that stage. You throw your little homecomings and your proms and your graduation and uh, exams and all of that. You know, that time years is over. Yes. Yeah, spring break. The year is gone. So don't allow for don't allow time to escape you without making meaningful progress that se your senior year. Make sure that you're marking your time. Otherwise, you're going to look back and it's going to be gone. Also, even in light of how COVID disrupted the seniors that just came through, imagine those that came back and figured, oh, I've got another three months and it's going to be whatever. You not maximizing the time is one of those things like you never know. Tomorrow's not promised to you. Right. You know, and uh, it doesn't even have to be biblical, but you don't know what tomorrow holds here. You know, people that uh, are baseball players that were ready for their spring session and ready, ready, ready. Next thing you know, they're unable to finish their sport and have that great senior year. So now coaches have to look at their junior year. So what does that mean? That means every time that you have an opportunity to hit it out the park or whatever um, in life, make sure you do it because you never know if tomorrow's going to be given that same opportunity. Well, Mike, I appreciate your time today. Absolutely. I hope, hope this message gets out to the kids. Yeah, and yeah. And that uh, our community, the city, um, businesses, residents, hear your message and uh, decide to get involved in some way, shape, or form. I assume you have a website. 
I do. I do. <laughs> we are GC.org. W-E-A-R-E-G-C for GameChangers.org. Share all your social media. At GC The New Athlete. At GC The New Athlete. Is that Twitter? That's Twitter. That's Instagram. That's Facebook. Same all handle. All of it. Okay. So they can reach out to you on all those. Do you have a phone number you want to share? 330-529-9808. So Mike went on a long journey, came home. Yeah. Is, is, Working really hard to make a difference, not just here, while uh, your focus is here, yeah, but across the country. And I'm very thankful that he's back. And uh, I hope that this message gets out to other kids. It says, you don't have to stay away. You can come back. Right. You can make a difference. Difference starts with you. Mm-hmm. But you can do that mm-hmm. and, and have a meaningful impact because it's got to be all hands on deck right now mm-hmm. for the next 10 years, man. Oh yeah, for sure. So thank you for your time, Mike. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank, thank you, sir. Warren.